Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living. You know, there's just a lot of stuff out there about living in the light, living into worthiness, living into goodness. So much and so indeed that we miss the value of the shadows, the darkness. We think that darkness implies evil, but we miss all the beautiful silence, the amazing mystery of darkness by calling it evil. And we miss the beautiful gifts that are given to us when we walk through the darkness in our lives. Somehow, we've come to believe that we should live lives completely divest of darkness, that doing so makes us good people, even proves our worth. So when the darkness comes, as it will, we tend to think we have done something wrong, and then we add shame to the problem. But like the light, the darkness equally has gifts to give us. Let us then explore the gifts of the darkness, bring them into the light. So stay here for this one. We're going to be finding out what is there for you in your darkness. Well, let's talk first about the meanings of the word light and darkness. We tend to think the word light means everything is not heavy. It's light. It's it's airy. It's free. It's easy. It's, It's good. It's goodness and it's purity. It's perfection even. It's, it's um, angelic, godly. All of those words are words that we use to encompass the light. But the true metaphorical meaning of the word light is simply truth. We just, light means I've shed light on something. I've, I've, get, I've seen the truth of it. I've, I've opened my eyes to the truth of it. And, you know, a lot of times when we think of the word love, we think that love means that we should always be loving to other people, that we should sacrifice and give up our wants and desires to serve other people because that makes us good people and that means we're being truly loving. In fact, there are many people who think that sacrifice is the ultimate form of love and that, 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 uh, that when we love, we are, being, we are living in the light. When we love by sacrifice, we're living in the light. And uh, so there's a lot of confusion about that as well. And what I say, and you've heard me say this before if you've listened to this show, what I say is if you put the word should in front of the word love, it ceases to be love and becomes obligation. So there are no shoulds about loving other people. We either feel the compassion for other people and operate out of it, or we don't. And either way is just as good as the other. Sometimes we're not supposed to be the ones to intervene with someone. Maybe someone else could do that better than us. Sometimes we are what we would think is helping someone else is actually misguided. And it's not really helping someone else, but actually enabling someone else to continue in some really difficult and destructive patterns for their lives. So, uh, so we've got some faulty ideas about love and how love fits into the concept of light as well. We've also got some faulty ideas about worthiness and how worthiness fits into the concept of light. So that we think if we're living in the light, then we're living a worthy life. What I say, and again, if you've listened to my show very often, you've heard me say this before. What I say is that worthiness is a concept man has made up. We made up the concept of worthiness because 
We are the only species on the planet that measures anything. We measure everything, including our own value. And that is gets us into trouble, and it brings about the possibility of shame. So if you're not worthy, then you're shameful. And those are the two polarities that we swing between. I'm either being very worthy by trying to live in the light, so to speak, and, and that word trying is very important. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, or I'm not worthy, and therefore I, I'm shameful. Um, and that means that that concept of worthiness is dangerous because shame is the lowest rung of the ladder with regard to our emotions. It's the worst, hardest emotion we can feel. It kills people. It makes us physically sick. It toxins our relationships. It toxifies our ideas about ourselves and about life. Shame is deadly. And so when we say, I've got to measure my worth and I've got to prove my worth, what we're really saying is I've got to run from shame. I've got to make sure I never have to feel shame. And the truth is we don't ever have to feel shame if we would just stop measuring and just start living into our lives, accepting who we are, even accepting our mistakes, even accepting our shadows, even accepting the darkness in our lives. Once we get there, we're, we've visited true humanity and true spirituality. But we're going to get there some more today as we talk. We're going to talk some more about how to do that. For right now, I want to talk about that concept of trying because it fits into the idea of light as well. We've got this idea, particularly in the West, but it's all over the world, but it's particularly in the West that, that we should strive after righteous living. We should strive after goodness. We should strive again after, after worthiness. And that striving, that trying, means that we're, we're at least trying to be good people. We just, you know, we're, we're in there duking it out. We're trying, by golly. And... What that means is that uh, we have not stopped to allow spirit to have its say in our lives. So the saying in Psalms 46.10, which is from the Old Testament of the Christian Bible and the Jewish Tanakh of the, of the Jewish Bible, uh, sacred text, is it says, cease striving and know that I am God. There's a correlation between those two things. When we see striving, then we know that, that we are God. Cease striving to know that I am God. Cease striving. Now, this is a spiritual conversation we're having today. It's not so clinical as much as it is spiritual, although there are clinical ideas running through it as well. But uh, but mostly I want to say it's spiritual. And when I say something I believe to be true, that doesn't mean you have to agree with me. I don't want to preach to you. I don't want to tell you how to think. I don't want to tell you how to believe. I don't want to teach you a new philosophy of life. What I want you to do is think about your own and decide what you believe, because that's the only path to true spirituality. True spirituality comes about as, as a result of of looking into your own soul doesn't come about as a result of listening to someone else and just buying what they say. So whenever I say anything that uh, says what I believe, 
which is what I just said. I said that I believe that that's that particular scripture in the sacred text of the Jewish Tanakh and the Old Testament of the Christian Bible means if you stop trying, then you will know that you are God. When I say that, I'm saying what I believe. You have to decide what you believe. And that's your choice and your option and your path to spirituality. So I want to be really clear about that. And that's always true on all of my shows. So uh, so in that passage, what I believe is being said is that we, if we see striving, then we can know we are God. On the other hand, if, if that's not what it means, it does mean if, we're not, if you see striving, you will know God, whatever that is. If it's you, okay. If it's something else, okay. But you will know it because you have stopped striving. So that's how important not trying is. You know, it, we, we uh, you know, fur our eyebrows over that and, and get all stuck in, in what in the heck does that mean, cease striving? How does a person cease striving? Well, in order to do that, we have to believe there's something back there inside of us that is essential, that is a foundational element in our lives that is not stagnant, that has its own energy and that has its own say-so in our lives. Call it soul. I call it soul. I call it authentic self. I call it the spirit. I call it divine self. I call it lots of different things. But whatever you call it, it is that part of you that is able to function without your trying to make it function. You know, your heart beats every day without you trying to make it beat. You breathe without trying to breathe. Um, you, you, you know, your organs continue to function. Your, your body changes every seven years without you doing anything about that. But we have a hard time believing that our, that our spirit can be moved from within without our, our pushing it to do that. But it can. And that's when we have settled into something really true and real to, is with regard to spirituality because we have ceased striving. So there's concepts that get in the way of our understanding what the light really is. Again, the light is simply the truth. It's a metaphor for the truth. Uh, it does not mean that we have to be good. It does not imply that the opposite of light is evil. It does not mean that we have to find our worthiness. It does not mean that we that everything is light and airy and good and sweet and kind and wonderful. Uh, it does not mean those things. It means the truth. And love, as I was talking about love a little while ago, love, according to the New Testament uh, uh, version of, of the Christian Bible, which is one of the finest definitions of love we have worldwide with regard to all the sacred texts um, of the world, it says that Love rejoices in the truth. So when we tell ourselves lies, it's okay for me to, for me to tolerate this abuse some more because that will mean I'm being loving and kind. I'll just keep turning the other cheek and I'll be keeping being loving and kind that way. And I'm telling myself that it doesn't really matter. I'm telling myself it's okay. But I'm lying to myself because it's not okay and it does matter. And I do have other feelings in there besides just the, the need to make you be okay with, you know, what, I, what you've done. And so I tell the truth, and that's love, because love rejoices in the truth. I tell the truth and I say, you know what, 
I can't tolerate your abuse anymore. It's toxic for me and it's toxic for you. And so I'm going to find myself a safe place to be. Maybe I won't say that with words because it's not safe to do so. Maybe I'll just do something about it because that's what I need to do. But whatever the case, what I'm doing now is stepping into the light because I'm stepping into the truth. I'm not lying to myself anymore. I'm trying to be a good person by telling myself lies. Love rejoices in the truth. So uh, the darkness. Now, what is darkness? Well, what we've decided is that darkness is evil. Darkness is bad. Darkness is difficult, uh, bad, bad um, events in our lives. Uh, darkness is, you know, uh, trauma and misery and, and blackness and bruising and illness and all the dreaded things that we don't want to think about and don't want to have in our lives. That's what darkness is. And we have decided that darkness is bad. The word bad is, goes with darkness a lot. The word evil goes with darkness a lot. In fact, the color black has taken on an evil connotation throughout the history of the world. In fact, that's why uh, darker races have suffered so much agony throughout the centuries. It's because the lighter races have decided that the darker races are evil in some kind of way. And of course, that's totally false. So we, we, we put these meanings on, on these words and they take on a life of their own. And they control our behavior and they control our attitudes and they control how we view life and how control our philosophies of living. And that's dangerous. So we need to look really carefully at how we see these two words. Darkness does not mean evil. Darkness simply means that you're, it's harder to see. With light, you see the truth. With darkness, it's harder to see. You, you, you might need a flashlight. And since we have cell phones on us most of the time, it's easier to get to our flashlights these days, isn't it? It used to be that you had to go find a flashlight. Now it's, it's right there at your fingertips. So that's a good thing, right? So, and that's, and that's more true the more psychologically sound, the more spiritually sound we become. It's also true that, that uh, the more aware we are of who we are, the more spiritually alive we are, the more we cease striving to know God, the more it's true that, that we can uh, turn on that flashlight really quickly and see in, in, in the dark a little bit better. But seeing in the dark is not all there is to darkness. Sometimes we sit in the dark. Sometimes we just sit in the dark and allow the dark to envelop us. When you go out into the country, one of the be- most beautiful things that happens out in the country, I was just out in the country last night, and you look up in the sky and there's this vast array of sparkling stars in the sky that you can't see when you're in the city because there's too much light on the ground. You can't see the beautiful light in the heavens. So if we get out of the light and step into the darkness, we see something much more mysterious and much more profound than our false light, our little lanterns can produce for us. Uh, so... Sometimes sitting in the darkness, in the mystery of life, and just being with what is, is the most therapeutic and most uh, spiritually aware thing that we can do. So that might mean meditating in darkness. Just, you know, turn off the lights around you and sit in the darkness and see the mystery, feel the mystery of the darkness around you. It might mean sitting with an illness that you have 
and just allowing that illness to speak to you about what message it might be trying to give you. Or maybe it doesn't have a message to give you right away, but you can sit with it anyway and, and allow it to just be. Just be. So that you're not trying to prove something, you're not trying to make it go away, you're not trying anything. You're just being with what is. Doing that allows us to, to embrace darkness instead of run from it. We embrace it. Um, perhaps sometimes instead of running from the darkness and trying to pretend that it's not there or trying to uh, push away anything that feels difficult in our minds, which is what we do, we tend to repress all of our worry thoughts unless they come up and, and, and just take hold of us and throw us on the ground and stomp on us, which is what happens a lot when we ruminate. We, our thoughts just take over and we can't sleep and we can't eat and we can't think and we can't concentrate and we can't do our jobs because our minds are just filled with worry. Um, and sometimes that happens as a result of having repressed it for so long. And sometimes it happens just because we're anxious. Sometimes it happens as a result of trauma uh, that, that makes us feel like, oh, that happened once, it can happen again. And so we're waiting forever for it to happen, so we worry about every little thing. Uh, but whatever the case, what it, what it comes up to remind us of is that sometimes there's darkness in the world. And if we can sit with the anxiety, instead of trying to push it away, breathe it in, and just allow it to be, sometimes it has a message, Sometimes it just wants us to be quiet and, and, and sit with it and allow it to just run past our mind instead of run, controlling our mind, run past our mind like it, we're just watching it, we're just observing it like we do in meditation. So these are the things that we can begin to do with darkness that allow us to, to uh, take in the beautiful silence of darkness. Darkness is a part of silence. Darkness is a part of stillness. And the stillness and the silence are part of the spiritual experience we have with the divine that we can sit and just be very very still like a tree sitting in the wind and the only time the tree moves is in the wind when the wind blows we can be like that we can sit in the stillness of our deepest selves and allow only the wind of the spirit to move us that that process allows us to embrace the darkness when it comes and embrace the, the gift of darkness, which is that stillness and that quiet and that silence that comes with the darkness. So there's many gifts that we can get from darkness, and we're going to talk about the darkness, the shadows of what the what is a shadow, what is the uh, psychological, spiritual shadow, what is the darkness in our lives, and how we can walk through it. We'll be back with some more right after this break. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. 
Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We experience all sorts of changes as we move through life, marriage, raising children, moving up the corporate ladder, and saving for retirement. To maneuver smoothly through these changes, tune in to Practical Solutions for Life with host Catherine Wilking. Through engaging guests, fun topics, and feng shui solutions, you will learn how to take charge and move from chaos to prosperity. Be sure to listen live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice of America Empowerment Channel. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free. 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about the light and the darkness, what they mean and what we can do with them each, particularly the darkness. We want to figure out what we can do with the darkness But before we talk any more about that, I want to tell you about the Super Soul Sunday coming up this Sunday, when Oprah Winfrey presents her new book, The Path Made Clear, Discovering Your Life's Direction and Purpose. It features some of the most profound insights and aha moments that there are. This special Super Soul Sunday airs Sunday, March 31st at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network, and will stream on Oprah's Facebook the episode will also be available on Oprah's Super Soul Conversations podcast beginning April the 1st. Regarding the book itself, in this follow-up to her New York Times best-selling book, The Wisdom of Sundays, Oprah Winfrey shares her own key lessons and the personal stories that helped set the course for her life. Hear from luminaries and trailblazers in a wide array of fields like Eckhart Tolle, Cicely Tyson, Brene Brown, Michael Bernard Beckwith, Amy Purdy, Lynn manuel Miranda, Elizabeth Gilbert, former Vice President Joe Biden, Congressman Joe, John Lewis, Thich Nhat Hanh, Stephen Colbert, Jay-Z, and many more as they share the life lessons that help them find meaning and purpose in their own lives. If you're feeling stuck or at a crossroads wondering if there is more to life, The Path Made Clear provides inspiration and guidance to help you discover not only who you are, but who you're meant to be. The Path Made Clear, Discovering Your Life's Direction and Purpose is on sale today. Available to order at pathmadeclearbook.com. The special Super Soul Sunday airs again on March the 31st at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on OWN, Oprah Winfrey Network. 
Here's a clip from that show. All of us are on our own individual paths towards the highest, truest version of ourselves. That's why I named this book, The Path Made Clear, Discovering a Life of Direction and Purpose. It's because I believe that every one of us was born with a purpose. If you're here, you matter. And regardless of who you are or how far you think you have to go, you've been tapped by a force, the force of creation that is greater than yourself to step into your God-given calling. Force of creation. That's what we were talking about earlier, about that, that essence inside of us that we can relax into when we cease striving. It is something that is very real inside of each of us that we don't have to strive for, but it is a force of its own. And it has wisdom of its own. It has uh, a beauty of its own. It has love of its own. It has a real uh, personhood of its own that comes forward and lives our lives through us as we live our lives instead of us striving after some concept or some standard about goodness. So uh, we said we would talk a little bit about the shadow, and I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, Carl Jung came up with the term shadow, and it's both a psychological term and a spiritual term. It's been used in both, uh, both realms very handily. And uh, basically what it means is that there is a part of us of which we are unconscious. We live in the light where we can see stuff. The stuff we see is what we think is all there is. But there's stuff that goes on inside of us that we don't see and we don't understand. So, for example, I I might be talking to someone who's crying and I might ask them, well, why are you crying? And they might say, I don't know. Where is those tears coming from if we don't know? They're coming from somewhere inside of us. They're coming from something inside of us that we haven't tapped into yet. We're not conscious of it. So at that moment, they're coming from the shadow. We're not conscious of it, therefore it's called the shadow. Carl Jung said everything in the unconscious is the shadow. It's not just one dark part of us. A lot of people have taken his term out of context and decided that what he meant by it was it was our evil side. And that's not what he meant at all. If you, look, if you read his work, you'll find out that he definitely said that the, 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 the unconscious, I mean, the shadow was all of the unconscious. So, uh, and, I, and, and that's what I think, that when we're talking about darkness and light, we're talking about what can be seen and what can't be seen. So the, the, the darkness of the shadow is that, that which we cannot see. And in that shadow, there may be things that we don't necessarily like about ourselves. We, you know, there are things that we might be doing. For example, we might be jealous, but we don't really want to know we're jealous. So we've shoved that into the unconscious caught through the, the uh, tool of repression. And we, we pushed it so far away that we can't see it. So we don't know that we're jealous, but we're acting jealous. We're acting in ways that are jealous. And everybody else around us could look at us and go, well, yeah, you're jealous. I mean, look what you're doing. But we can't see it because we can't feel it because we've pushed it away. That's how the shadow operates. And so when, when, we, uh, when we live lives that are largely repressed, we are, have a lot of shadow material. And when we live lives that where we try to get a, become aware of what's going on in the unconscious, then we have less shadow. We have less of that darkness in our lives. But it's not based on being evil. It's not, uh, it's not saying that everything that's in the shadow is, is your bad stuff, is your evil stuff. 
that's not what it is. So I want to be really, really clear about that. Um, but it, it does imply that there are, there are actions that we can take, words that we can say, which come up from the unconscious, that we don't know where they come from or why they're said or done. And that means that there, there's stuff going on there. So what, what else is in the unconscious is very often the authentic self. Because we have lived into roles and masks and costumes so much. And if you've been paying attention to my show or reading any of my books, you know that that's a, that's a big deal. That we have the capacity to repress our own authenticity. So much so that we don't even know it's there. So much so, in fact, that we live entirely out of a mask and costume. And we really believe that that mask and costume is who we are. But it's just a way of surviving. It's just a way of, of, of sometimes manipulating our world into a safer place for us to be, which is smart. It's not dumb. We've, we've done it because we thought we had to do it to survive. <clears throat> so if I develop a mask and costume that says I'm, I'm fearless, I'm tough and I'm strong and I, I can handle anything, just bring it my way and I'll handle it. If I develop that superwoman kind of identity, then... I'm going to step into that role everywhere I go, and I'm going to be, you know, super tough and strong, and I'm going to uh, end up having to uh, be tough and strong for other people who, who are attracted to me because I seem to be so tough and strong, and I don't understand why I keep attracting people who just can't take care of themselves, but I'm doing that because I'm trying to prop up my role as, as the tough, strong person. And uh, I, I, I don't know I'm doing all this. So all of that is in the unconscious. Along with it is my authentic self. And what we would think of the authentic self as being really good, right? The authentic self is that part of us that we would say is good. Well, it's not good or bad. It's neutral in, in terms of its, uh, its value. Those are, again, man-made ideas that we came up with to sort of support some kind of way of living that, that seemed safer for us. Um, our concepts of good and bad came about as a result of seeking safety. We thought if we could uh, as- ascribe certain moral codes to people for their behavior, for the collective to behave in certain ways, then what would happen is we, the whole world would be safer. It hasn't worked. I mean, look around. It hasn't worked. Uh, but that was our effort. And uh, so what we've done is we've strived to be good while some other people are striving to be quote-unquote bad so that they can live into their identity, which uh, they've gotten because they grew up in a home where they were ascribed uh, that, that idea of being the bad kid. You're the bad seed, the bad kid. You're, you know, we can't control you. You're out of control. Uh, or, and or children who have been abused severely who are just really, really angry and want to get back at the world for that. Um, so uh, there's ways that people can live out of a bad guy identity just like they can live out of a good guy identity. But if we didn't have these concepts of good and bad, there wouldn't be, there w- that wouldn't be an option. They wouldn't choose bad or good identities. They would just be who they are. No, nevertheless, we do have those ideas, and they come from our ideas of light and darkness, and they are part of that idea. And while they are false... What they do is uh, get us to a place where we think we can survive. We think we're going to survive better by pushing away um, what we consider to be evil thoughts. If I, if I really don't like somebody 
and I'm supposed to like everybody, then I push away the idea that I don't like that person and I pretend that I do. And that's a lie. And it does. It's it's not. Uh, there may be some reason why I'm not resonating with that particular person, and I might need to know what that reason is so that I can take care of myself and/or say uh, say or do the truth for that other person. Again, love rejoices in the truth. So, uh, so there's a lot that goes on that we've pushed into the unconscious. Not the least of which is the self. So right along with all the things that we might consider to be negative is the authentic self, the hiding in the, in, the, in the unconscious sometimes. And one of the things we want to do if we're going to grow into a healthy life is pull that, unco- pull that authentic self out of the unconscious so that we become conscious of who we actually are instead of pretending to be something we're not. Um, so um, so there's, when we can do that, when we can bring about consciousness what we're doing is bringing it into the light we're bringing uh, the shadow into the light and then it's not a shadow anymore now it's in the light so if you think about that you know a solid object is something that the sun doesn't shine through and the solid object in this case would metaphorically be uh, whatever that fear is that we have to protect ourselves from so the fear says, you better hide behind this mask and costume or, or bad things are going to happen to you. Perhaps you'll be abandoned by your family because they want you to be X and you're, you're really Y. Um, and, uh, the most obvious case of that would be, for example, a child who grows up in a home where everybody's been doctors for generations and that child is an artist. But he, he's raised in a family where he's taught to believe that the only true career the only true way to be is the way a doctor is. You're supposed to think like a doctor and act like a doctor and walk like a doctor and talk like a doctor and go to school like a doctor and be a doctor. But this kid is walking, talking, thinking, acting, saying, doing like an artist. And so the family is rejecting him. And so what he, what is he going to do? Is he going to continue to get rejected by the family? Or is he going to say, okay, I, I guess I'll just be a doctor. I'll just give up who I am in order to be a member of this family. That happens in all kinds of other ways that are not that specific to being a doctor that, that have to do with emotions, that have to do with addiction, that have to do with um, uh, abuse, that have to do with um, surviving in a hyper-religious family, that have to do with all kinds of things that say we have to be different, we have to be who they say we are or else there might be some form of abandonment, and we don't want that. So, therefore, we decide to, to stay uh, being what they want us to be. So we do that to survive, and all the while we're doing that, we're pushing stuff away into the unconscious, which means that stuff we're pushing away becomes shadow material, and the shadow material will be darkness. And so what we can begin to do is begin to write from the unconscious, one of the things that I consider to be one of the most therapeutic things is to write poetry or just prose that just comes right up out of the unconscious. You're not trying to uh, write correctly. You're not trying to formulate the letters correctly. You're not trying to worry about punctuation. You're not trying to worry about spelling. You're not trying to worry about how it sounds or how the phraseology is. You're just throwing words on a paper. And sometimes it starts off as garbage and it doesn't make any sense and then it begins to start making sense. And uh, then you begin to hear from your own unconscious about what's going on in there. And 
you you are, are becoming awake in the process. You're becoming more alive in the process. So that's one of the things that I recommend to, to do with the darkness. The, another thing that we can do with the shadow, the darkness of the shadow, is to sit with it, meditate on it, to just uh, even voice that concern that you want it to come forward, to allow your meditation to be a, a place where you speak to the shadow and say to the shadow, I want you, I want to know what's here in the darkness with me. Like going out into the country and suddenly looking up into the sky and seeing a bunch of stars, the shadow will begin to reveal itself to you. If it knows that we're ready to hear from it, it will begin to reveal itself to us. Another way is to write down your dreams. Uh, that's one of the chief methods used by Carl Jung uh, and by people who follow his work, is to write down your dreams and try to understand what the dream is trying to tell you. Um, and I would say, just be careful about reading books that say, this particular thing means this and it only means that, it can't mean anything else. I'd say be careful about those kind of books uh, because the meaning of a particular metaphorical or symbolic thing in your dream means what you think it means, not what some book says it means. And so you may have an idea about some object in your dream that no book would ever have because you've had some experience with that object that no book ever knows about. So I would say be careful about that. Be careful not to, to, to not ascribe a meaning just because that's what the book says. Uh, but to, how, how does it resonate with you? What, what seems to ring a bell for you? And uh, stay with that and see where that leads. Um, but paying attention to your dreams is very, very helpful in bringing forth the unconscious, bringing forth what's in the shadow to pay attention to. So we can learn how to do that and, and, and become more awake to who we actually are, pull the authentic self out of the unconscious and into the realm of the light and begin to live from the authentic self instead of living in the shadow of the authentic self. Um, so... Uh, so that's some of the stuff we can do with the shadow material that's in the unconscious. Uh, there's also stuff we can do with our living experiences that bring us into the darkness, and we're going to talk about that in the next segment. But what we really need to understand is that the, the object of the game here is not to decide how you're being bad or how you're being good. I would really strongly suggest that you throw out those concepts entirely. And what we're when I say that, what that what what people tend to think is, oh, well, Andrea's advocating for anarchy, and that's not what I'm doing at all. What I'm doing is saying the concepts are man-made. We already have within us a soul. We already have within us the heart that has plenty of compassion for both ourselves and other people. If we could begin to live out of that instead of the shoulds and ought tos and have tos, we'd be living much more authentic lives. So, so that's why I say we need to throw out those concepts, not because um, so that we can become anarchic, but, but also, but, but rather because we can um, begin to understand life from the perspective of the real self, the authentic self, the genuine self, rather than the fake self, the shooting self, the obligated self, the trying self, the one who has not learned how to cease striving to know God. That, that's the one where we want to put, begin to say no to and begin to say yes to the authentic self.
So we're going to talk about the darkness we walk through and figure out how to do that in the next segment. Stay here for that. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader, then it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our life takes a series of unexpected detours as we move along our journey. We can choose to accept these detours as something negative, or we can choose to create a learning experience where we can turn a tragedy or unexpected turn in life into something that can help others. To learn more, Tune in to Embrace the Unexpected with host Bernadette Butler. In the program, you'll learn how she and others were able to turn setbacks into positives. Listen live Fridays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in to The James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll free 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back talking today about darkness and light, and what we've said is that we that we think that darkness implies evil, and therefore we miss out on all the beautiful silence and the amazing mystery of darkness. So we've talked about the shadow, uh, which is the unconscious, which we think we have been taught by many people that that's a bad part of ourselves, which that's not true. It's just a part of ourselves that we don't see very well, and uh, and there are ways in which we can begin to bring the shadow into the light more. Um, and become more authentic as a result. And uh, we talked about those in the last segment. But right now we want to talk a little bit about the kinds of darkness that come over us, the events in our lives that seem very dark, the tragedies, the, the, the mis- mysterious um, relationship problems, the mysterious illnesses, the, 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 the traumas that come to us as we live our lives. These are the things that are darkness that... that that are dark parts of our lives that we walk through because we don't understand why they're happening. We don't understand what the outcome's going to be. 
they're difficult emotionally. They're, they are. They we have a lot of sorrow and anger and fear as a result of these these events in our lives, and and so we we think of them as darkness. But what we have done over the centuries, and it started centuries ago, but it continues even to today, is we have associated badness with these difficult times in our lives. So not only do we are we going through a difficult time, but we add shame to it by saying to ourselves that somehow this means that I've done something wrong or that I have, uh, I have been bad in some kind of way. And so what we do is we, we continue to tell ourselves that lie and we, we hide sometimes our problems. One of the most difficult things that I see in, in a lot of the churches today, and I'm talking about Christian churches, not necessarily temples or mosques, although it probably is a problem there as well, um, is, is that uh, people hide their problems from other people because they're afraid that this means that I'm somehow bad, that... Uh, that I've got some secret sin that I'm hiding, that that's the reason this has come to me, and uh, I don't want anybody to know about it. Or perhaps the problem in sh- itself implies shame. Perhaps there's an addiction that has shame attached to it, and so people think they can't tell anybody in the church about it. Uh, or perhaps the problem imply- is, is about the potential for a divorce, and so you can't tell anybody about it because divorce is wrong in many settings, uh, uh, in evangelical churches in particular. Um, and and uh, so you just don't want to talk about these things. So you hide your problems, and therefore you get no support, you get no prayer, you get nobody there for you, and you go around pretending that everything's okay and telling everybody that you're praying and that you're living in the light and that you're, you know, you, that, acting as if there's nothing wrong and it's all a lie all the while you're saying how what a great christian you are and so it's it's a it's a it's difficult it makes the pro makes the the um idea of being a christian much more difficult than it would have to be but it's true in many religions not just christianity it's true that there is a sense that there's uh that when a dark, dark thing happens, there might be karma that comes upon you. This is your, your karma. You deserved it. You, you know, this is, you've been bad in some other life, and now this karma has come upon you, and you deserve this. And so there's shame attached. And, you know, what can I do to, to get past this karma? Um, and so, again, we have attached darkness to badness. We've attached evil to the events in our lives which have nothing whatsoever to do with evil. They're just events in our lives. And, uh, and so thinking in those terms has been one of the most damning things we can do. Again, if we could just throw out the whole concept of bad and good and live into what is without judging it, we would live far better lives. We would live far better lives. And that, I think, is part of what the Buddha was talking about when he talked about... Um, a non-attachment. He talked about not being attached to things. I think part of that is because when we attach, we also interpret. We interpret what it means, and so we decide it means there's something bad about us, and therefore we have this bad thing happening. Um, that's why Robert, Rabbi Kushner wrote, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? Because 
that question is one we are always asking. We we have the Santa Claus version of reality, Santa Claus version of reality that says that we should, you know, that when we're good, we get the good gifts. When we're bad, we get the coal and ashes. And that's that's a real childish view of reality, but a lot of us are holding on to it in, in, even in unconscious ways. And we don't even know we're holding on to it. So... Um, so I want to say that about the events in our lives, first and foremost, that when you have a difficult thing happen, that does not mean that you've done something wrong, that you deserve it, that there's some shame that you need to attach to it. It simply means there's a problem and it's, go- it's uh, bring- come into your life and uh, now you're going to have to work through it. And what it could possibly mean is that this is an opportunity for a great transformation. I find that when people are very troubled, that's when they're most open to learning new things about themselves, about life, about, uh, about how to live life. And uh, so, they, so they find that, it, that it's, um, it's really true that when, when you go through a dark time, you come out of it different. Um, but it's only by being present with the dark time that we really do come out of it different. What we want to do is uh, we want to um, deny it. We want to bargain with it. So we, we grieve these difficult times, and uh, grief comes with five stages, according to Kubler-Ross. Uh, according to her, it was denial, anger, uh, depression, bargaining, and acceptance. But I, I disagree with the, the idea of depression. I think that uh, it comes with a- denial, anger, sorrow, bargaining and acceptance and the sorrow only becomes depression if we don't deal with the sorrow well so so we do get angry when life brings its events to us because we judge the event as something we don't deserve and we shouldn't be having this bad thing happen to us so we get angry that's okay go ahead and be angry and let that anger have a voice let it have its say until it, it exhausts itself and and, beca- and becomes a little more silent um, uh, when we bargain with, uh, with the life events in our lives, we tend to go, well, if I do this, then it'll change. Um, if I am just nicer to my abusive husband, then he'll be different. You know, if I am a good, good person, maybe this illness will go away. Those are the kinds of bargains we make, and they're all imaginary. They don't, they don't fit into the r- reality. They don't uh, fit a realistic scheme of life. But we play with them. We, we bargain with those things. And so bargaining is a stage of acceptance as well. And, um, but the anger and the sorrow are when we're getting closer to a more realistic view. And so being with the anger and the sorrow helps us to, to really begin to accept. This is what's really happening in my life. And this is what I'm faced with. I'm really having to look at this. I'm really having to be present with it. I'm really having to to uh, shift my understanding of life according to this new event. I'm really having to grow as a result of this new event. And uh, so what, what happens is we begin to, to adjust to the new situation. Sometimes we have to develop a new normal. Sometimes we have to say, okay, this is how it's going to be. So perhaps I have some chronic illness. And it forces me to have to do certain things during the day, test my blood sugar or something like that. That's going to become the new normal now. I'm going to have to adjust to that. Or 
decide not to adjust to that. Um, but but adjustment does make us grow, does help us transform better. What can happen as a result of walking into the darkness is that we begin to um, transform. I believe that that's what uh, Jesus was talking about when he was talking about the word hell that so many people mean and think means something happens after death. I don't believe that's what he meant. You get to decide what you believe. I believe he meant that there are, st- are times of suffering in this life that are brought about sometimes by our own choices. Um, and uh, those, and not because we're bad, not because we're good, but because we've chosen some pathway that's not authentic. And it gets us into a bad place. So addiction, for example, can take us straight to hell. And But what the word actually means, it, it implies there's a furnace and that there are things that get thrown into the furnace but what happens when the, fur- the furnace burns these things is that they transform. When you put bread into an oven, uh, dough into an oven, it becomes bread. When you put a clay pot into an oven, it becomes a real clay pot that you can use as a vessel. Um, so, so these are times when we transform. And we can transform deeply spiritually if we walk with it. If we sit with what's happening and allow it to speak to us. And I would say... I, I mean, have a real discussion. I, I, I recommend the two chair. It's a gestalt technique. You can put the event in the one chair and you sit in another chair and you just have a talk with that event. What are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to teach me? Why did you come here? What, what do you have? What gift do you have to give me? I want the gift. I want you to give me the gift. And if we start looking for the gift in our in difficult events, we will find it. Eventually, we will find it. I certainly can look back on times in my own life when I had very difficult things happen. And I look back on those things today and say that I'm, I'm blessed because I went through those things because they changed me and they changed my perspective on life and they changed how I viewed my own values. They changed a lot of things. So um, we, can, we can ask that event to give us the gift. We can seek out friendships and supportive relationships during difficult times that are the darkness and tell our friends about the darkness and tell our friends how we feel about the darkness and get support and increase the depth of those relationships to an exponential degree. Um, and that's, a, that's a, a gift right there, that the, our relationships become more profound as a result of going through some darkness together with other people. Don't isolate when you have a darkness in your life. Don't sit alone in the darkness. Um, I mean, you might sit alone with it sometimes and listen to its messages, but don't do that all the time because you also can find that your relationships will increase in depth as a result of walking through the darkness. Uh, be careful not to label the darkness in, in some kind of stagnant form. This is We put the darkness in a box and say, this is what it means this is all it means. It's all it can mean. And so that's how it is in my life. Be open to the mystery of darkness. Darkness brings mystery. That's one of the things darkness brings. And that's why having a talk with it and saying, I want you to give me the gift, allows the darkness to speak instead of you defining the darkness for it. You allow the darkness to define itself. Um, and uh, so I, I say, get out a journal, begin to write in a journal write poetry, write letters to and from the darkness, 
um, write, write poetry. Poetry is a very excellent tool to use when you're walking through the darkness. Um, yeah, and uh, use metaphor a lot. Metaphor is very, very helpful in being able to give yourself symbols that you can use for the darkness. Um, call it darkness. Call it the darkness because that means it's more mysterious. It means it's more uh, available to you to walk out into the darkness and see the stars at night. Um, these are some of the paths we can take to begin to transform through the mystery of darkness. Um, it has gifts to give us. And if, and if we change as a result of having walked through the darkness, if sorrow changes the landscape of our river, uh, the landscape around our river because the river has pushed up against it so that the land has had to change now, then we are better for it. That's what darkness can give us. It can give us a new land to walk on. It can give us a new perspective on life. It can give us a new energy about our own authenticity. It can give us the authentic self. So don't dismiss the darkness. And please don't think it implies evil, because it's not. It's a special gift for you. Okay, that's our show for today. And we'll be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week 